0: Will regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state? The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you've joined us on the program. You know, I said there was a 10% chance on uh, Tuesday that we would not have a show on Wednesday. As it turns out, that uh, 10% chance turned into a 100% chance. But I am glad to be back behind the microphone with you today. We've got a a great show on tap. Mr. Mark Walters is going to be with us, the host of Armed American Radio. Uh, In fact, we're going to get to our conversation here momentarily because uh, it's a beefy one. Talking about this new bill in... uh, It's not even a new bill. It's a new law in California that completely eradicates the privacy of California gun owners because it makes available their personal information, including their names, addresses... Uh, to anti-gun academics who would like to get access to that information for whatever purpose, uh, as long as they are affiliated with an academic institution, uh, then they can get a hold. They don't even have to be a a, a Californian. You could have uh, anti-gun researchers uh, in uh, places like Massachusetts or New York State uh, who want to get a hold of this information. And under this new law in California, the uh personal details of legal gun owners in California will now be open for them to peruse. uh Mark has been looking into this, and um like I said, we've got a, a beefy discussion including and it's not i'll I'll, I'll forewarn you here uh, the prospects of challenging this law in court right now unfortunately do not look that great, but Mark Walters is going to explain why. take a look and a listen. Mr. Mark Walters, thank you, sir, for coming on the program. It's so good talking with you today. Cam, it's always a pleasure, brother.
1: Great to be with you. Great to be able to see you today. How are things going?
0: You know, I, I listen, we, we've got some some good news, I think, in terms of uh, Second Amendment uh, news. We've got some bad news, unfortunately, as well. And, you know, let, let, let's talk about some bad news stuff, uh, because, you know, California is sort of. If you want to see where the gun control advocates are hoping to go, just look at what they're doing in California. Uh, And we just saw Gavin Newsom sign this freaking awful bill, Mark, that just obliterates the, the privacy rights of gun owners in the state of California.
1: It's bad. It's the worst I've ever seen, Cam. I've read into this. I've looked at it deeply. And I don't know that there's anything we can do about it because it is legislation. That has passed the California Assembly and it has been lawfully signed by the governor. Californians don't have a lot of recourse here. And that begs the following questions, Cam. How do we end this? Where does this go? What do California residents have left to fight? Where's the red line? I mean, we could get pretty deep in the weeds with something like this. But as it stands now, just for the viewers, a little bit of background Assembly Bill 175 is what we're talking about. That bill compels under California law, signed into law last Thursday, the Department of Justice in California to disseminate the private information of every single gun owner. In this particular case, it starts with UC Davis, but it also provides for any other legally accredited research institute that might be nonprofit. That means every university around the country that requests the information from California gun owners The Department of Justice under law now must provide that information. So this is the danger of compliance with any registration scheme. Cam, how long has California had registration schemes, brother? This has been going on in California for decades. It hasn't been a, I'd like to say it was a slow creep over the last couple of years, but it's not. And people have been complying with it for years. Look where it's gotten them. Now, I would like to think, and I'd love to hear your response, but if if they're looking at gun violence study, which is what this is for, supposedly, And all they're doing is looking at law abiding citizens who have jumped through all the California hoops to buy ammo and guns. Dare I say they find no gun violence in California because it's not those people that are committing crimes in California with their firearms.
0: Well, I think that's exactly right. I mean, you know, there's the uh, the saying in computer programming, garbage in, garbage out, right? And so if, if as you say, these are supposedly, quote unquote, gun violence researchers uh, who are looking into gun violence, and yet the universe of data that they're actually looking at are those legal gun owners in California, those who have jumped through all of the hoops and hurdles and they've navigated the maze of red tape that the state of California has put between them and their rights, you're right. Those are the folks who are actually, you know, causing the problems uh, in the state of California. So I don't know what good it's actually going to do uh, in terms of, you know, actual research here in terms of, again, making it legally difficult and dangerous to exercise your segment rights in the state of California. Well, I mean, it accomplishes that uh, yeah. because, you know, you talk about th- this uh, data being released to researchers at UC Davis. Uh, that is the home of one Garen Winnemute. Um, you know, and I think he's really the guy that, that has been pushing for this. He's a longtime uh, anti gun activist and researcher in the state of California. He's been doing this sort of uh, on his own for a long time. The state of California, uh, a few years ago, approved funding to basically give him a, a, a state created job. And so now he's got this platform uh, funded from the state of California. Uh, he's going to be able to get access to all this data. But as you say, anti gun uh, academics across the country are now going to be able to get a hold of this data too, Mark. And look, even, even if all of those hand gun academics had the best of intentions, which I don't think they do, um, I have grave concerns about keeping this data secure. I don't think it should be released to the academics in the first place, but what's to stop these academics from then widely disseminating the personal details? I mean, we're talking names and addresses of California yeah. gun owners, either intentionally or, you know, let's say their their database gets hacked. I mean, this is... It is ridiculous, but as you say, the the legal options here are limited for Californians. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah,
1: I've I've done some research. Let's just say I've talked to some people. I've also spoken to a couple of attorneys who simply don't see a case. And and I hate to tell California gun owners that. I hate to tell gun owners across the country that. But because now, is there going to be a lawsuit? You know, the Firearms Policy Coalition out there may very well. Look, this is what happens when we as gun owners allow these things to happen cam now i know california is an anomaly it's a it, it's it, there's absolutely zero conservative control in california at all the democrats have 100 percent totalitarian power they can do anything they want there's not a republican that can stop them and this by the way also was signed by gavin newsom in the middle of the night there was no transparency here at night this was one of those safe acts from new york as you know mm-hmm. that was just they just threw it on the people uh, I don't see a lot of legal recourse, nor do the people that I spoke to at this particular juncture. I think you're going to have to wait until someone can prove harm in this. Now, let's go back. You and I both remember when the Cleveland Plain Dealer years ago began publishing the names of lawful Ohio concealed carry permit holders. Yep. And their their names and addresses. Why? Because the I guess the Plain Dealer and the liberals there decided, well, you have a right to know if your neighbors have guns or carry permits as if somehow that's somebody's business. And there was action taken at that point by some of those individuals who had their names disseminated by the plane dealer that led to more legislation around the country to keep that information private. Florida was another state that reacted that way, et cetera. But I don't know what Californians can do at this stage of the game. I will say this, let's back up a little bit because this is fascinating. Where do we draw the line, Cam? Where does that, does one person stand up at this point, because you can't stop it now, your name's in a database. So let's go backwards. No, I'm not going to comply. Let's use Connecticut as an example. You should remember shortly after Newtown, I believe governor at that point was Daniel P. Malloy, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Rabbit anti-gunner who immediately uh, jumped all over and pounced all over what happened in his state in Newtown, awful situation, and used it as an excuse to provide registration or to create a registration scheme for quote unquote, these weapons of war, the AR-15. The compliance level to that was almost zero. And people like me were begging Newsom and the brown shirts to start making arrests, start going after the people that are not complying, You know, literally baiting them to do that. Of course, they didn't. And virtually nobody in Connecticut registered. Maybe if that had happened in California 25 years ago, Californians wouldn't have found themselves in the situation they're in. I don't know the answer to the question, but this is folks, this is the danger of registration. This is the danger of willful compliance when you're dealing with a totalitarian government like you are in California at the state level. And let me, what happens in California, Cam, doesn't stay there, as you well know. You ever get behind the wheel of a car or bought any product out there? This product is known by the state of California to cause something liberal cause. Right. This goes deep to everybody around the country. Our biggest hope in this case, I think, Cam, is a positive outcome and a very broad decision by the Supreme Court and the right to carry laws on the November 3rd hearing that we're going to get that decision come down in June of next year. I think for California, that's pretty much the only hope they have in any other blue state that's hindered these legal gun owners that are hindered by these blue state laws. Uh, As you and I both know, the district courts have asked those of us like us and the Second Amendment Foundation and FPC and others to hold off on filing any Second Amendment related cases until they can get the Supreme Court case heard. So yeah. there's a lot of positive stuff going on. So I'm not all negative. I think this is California's only option. Cam, I, I, I've looked at this thing sideways from Sunday and I don't see any recourse here unless someone can show some harm.
0: You know, and, and and again, I mean, once you've shown harm, the damage obviously ha- has then been done. Um, but, you know, well, how
1: do you describe harm you know, what's well, harm in this situation? Right?
0: Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you can show, look, uh, uh, it's going to be very difficult to do that, because let's say that you're the victim of a burglary uh, and your guns are stolen. Um, can you prove that the burglar uh, gained access to that private information? Uh, it's going to be difficult to do. You're right. But, you know, you talk about this stuff not staying in California. Mark, we've seen the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, uh, talk over the past few weeks. And I'm sure you've seen the same push uh, from the anti-gun media over the past few days to have the CDC uh, investigate gun violence as a public health crisis. Uh, that, that concerns the heck out of me, because let's say that the CDC all of a sudden let's say uh, Democrats in Congress want to slip a rider uh, into the CDC's funding that allows the CDC access to the identifying information of gun owners in those states that have similar registration or licensing requirements. Um, what's to stop Democrats from doing that? You know, it's not necessarily going to be a standalone bill, but they could tuck it into a 1400 page piece of legislation. And we'd be lucky if we spotted it beforehand.
1: Well, you know, words mean things. And what you're talking about, your fear is well founded. And on the California's micro level right now. But let's take it to the macro. You just nailed it. If the CDC is able to get that, is is able to get the funding, and let's look at how they're couching the words, because words mean things. As you well know, they've been creeping in with that gun violence is a health epidemic. Gun violence is at epidemic levels. This is a national health crisis. These are the same code words they've been using with COVID. And we've got a sitting president right now that can issue a mandate because it's for the best interest and health of the nation. It's a violation of the Constitution. And we know that, but what's to stop him from doing the same thing by couching gun violence to use their term in the same frame that they're now going along the lines of with COVID for example, to keep a president from mandating a national registration, whatever the case may be. People tell us we're nuts. Ah, they never want to come and get our guns until hell yes, we want to come and take your guns. So we've got to start paying attention to this as rights activists and as gun owners very, very carefully. Because when the Democrats say things, every once in a while, they slip up and they're honest, as Ted Cruz said the other day. It's really funny what happens when a Democrat slips up and a little bit of honesty comes out. We find out, in fact, what it is they want to do. For example, when uh, Beto O'Rourke on that stage, you'll remember this, Cam. What were there, 2,200 candidates at that time running? Yeah, right. right? Okay, and Beto O'Rourke made that statement, and I'll never forget Kamala Harris and the rest of them on that stage all nodding in agreement. And the liberal crowd applauding the statement. Hell yes, we want to come and take your guns. This stuff means something, and we've got to. We've got to be. It's why shows like this are so important, and it's why groups like the Second Amendment Foundation. What we have? Forty court cases now, active yeah. in courtrooms across the country. This is the only way we can stop these things. And I'm, I'm. I'm. I know I'm probably being a little bit optimistic here. Maybe more so than I want to, but I feel really good about the New York case because if you go back and look at the 2017 Peruda and the decision of the Supreme Court not to take that case. Guys like us got angry they didn't take it. It had some similarities to New York in the sense it was shall issue, may issue, et cetera. But in hindsight, always being crystal clear, high definition vision, we're able to look back and say what this New York case is better and it's stronger and we now have Amy Coney Barrett on the court. When you combine that with Roberts and you combine that with the the other three justices, you're looking at a potential of a 6-3 decision here. If we lose Roberts, it's 5-4. If we keep Roberts, who, by the way, I want to remind, voted in our favor in Heller and voted in our favor in Chicago, in uh, McDonald v. Chicago, it will be really hard for him to backtrack because that Heller decision is going to play a major role. What Scalia left out in that decision is going to come up in this New York case. So Heller is going to play a vital role, the reading of Heller and its intent, particularly if Thomas gets the pen and gets to write that opinion. We could see a 6-3 decision, and it could be very, very broad. So I'm hopeful that that New York case can put a nail in the coffin of some of this garbage we're seeing across these blue states. I'm hoping.
0: Yeah, I got my fingers crossed as well. And of course, the courts consider a number of other cases, including you know, Young versus Hawaii out of the Ninth Circuit, which is, is sort of the bookend to the Peruta case that you just mentioned, because Peruta, the Ninth Circuit said, "No, there's no right to carry a concealed firearm under the Second Amendment. And in Young, they said, no, there's no right to openly carry a firearm under the Second Amendment. Uh, so, you know, the Ninth Circuit has basically said the right to keep and bear arms does not protect the right to bear arms. We'll We'll see uh what the Supreme Court does with that case if they you know hold it over until after they issue the decision and uh the New York case. but you know we've got New Jersey's mag ban that's up before the court right now uh and, and and I am I too mark, I'm cautiously optimistic that the court is going to not shy away uh from some of these cases because we've had a number of justices who have complained about the second amendment being treated as a second class right uh and that's exactly what is happening here in california it's not even been treated as a right it's treated uh, as simply as a privilege uh to be doled out by the state uh and of course so uh, once you uh, have been granted that privilege to own a firearm uh, all of your uh, personal information is now subject to uh, to public scrutiny. Hey, Mark, before we run out of time here, tell folks how they can uh, catch up with you on Armed America Radio.
1: ArmedAmericanRadio.com and ArmedAmericanNews.com for everything Armed American Radio. You can catch the show on nearing 250 radio stations around the country. We're airing six days a week now, Monday through Friday live, 4 to 5 p.m. on dozens of radio stations. Most of them are running it at various times on the networks around the country. And the, of course, the live show on uh, Sundays, 8 to 11 p.m. as well. On near 250 radio stations, you can catch everything there. One quick thing, though, about Peruta before before you let me go. We have to keep in mind that that Peruta case had nothing to do with concealed carry and the Second Amendment. The Ninth Circuit decided to insert that in there themselves. So it, that wasn't even a part of that case. That's how bad they are out there. So hopefully this hopefully the SCOTUS case in New York fixes that as well.
0: Absolutely. Mark, always a pleasure, man. Even when Thanks the news you. is not great, I enjoy spending time with you. Thank you so much for coming on the program, and I hope we get a chance to do this again soon.
1: Likewise, anytime. Thanks, brother. Keep up the fight.
0: Appreciate Mark joining us on the program and uh, looking forward to having him back again very soon. Uh, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our uh, recidivist report. We'll start there, and you know, it's something I mean, I'm flashing back to something Mark said, but what is the point, if you're trying to investigate gun violence, quote-unquote, what is the point of digging into the details of legal gun owners in California given that they're, generally speaking, not the ones who are committing violent crimes. Well, take a look at today's recidivist report from New Orleans, Louisiana, where a second suspect has now been booked in the murder of a motorcyclist who was killed on the West Bank of the Mississippi River last year. According to uh, NOLA.com, Uh, The suspect who was arrested in the death of James White, who was murdered while riding his motorcycle last year, -year 19-year-old Ja'Cory Davis, already known to law enforcement because just a couple of years ago, back in 2019, uh, Davis pled guilty to possession of a weapon on school grounds, Uh uh-huh. In May of 2019, he had been arrested earlier in the year after a school resource officer saw a cell phone video of Davis flashing a 9 millimeter pistol while in a classroom in Marrero, Louisiana. The uh, video had been uploaded to Snapchat. The officer went to Davis's classroom, confiscated the firearm, which, by the way, turned out to be stolen, and arrested Davis. And do you know what happened to young Mr. Davis in that case? possessing a stolen firearm in a school and Ja'Corey Davis received two years of probation. That's it. Not a day behind bars. Yeah. And now, Jacory Davis charged with being a felon in possession of a firearm as well as second-degree murder uh, and uh, aggravated assault. This time, if he's convicted, or more likely offered a guilty plea. Perhaps there'll be some time behind bars as a result, but uh, when the state of Louisiana had the opportunity to ensure some consequences for young Mr. Davis' actions, bringing a stolen handgun into a school, instead they gave him a slap on the wrist and sent him on his merry way. Yeah. All right. Uh, today's armed citizen story from Anderson, Indiana, where a woman shot and killed a, a man suspected of breaking into her home uh, in the uh, midnight hours. I believe this was uh, late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. 911 dispatchers got a call from the uh, female homeowner about 1247 a.m. Woman telling police there was a break in at the home. She shot the suspected burglar. By the time police arrived, they found the suspect dead in an upstairs bedroom. Uh, prosecutors say that the man forced his way into the woman's home. Madison County Prosecutor Rodney Cummings says neighbors had video of this guy parking in front of the residence, looking through windows, ultimately breaking through the door and then pulling out a weapon. The suspect is also apparently heard on video asking for money and portraying himself as a law enforcement officer. Prosecutor Rodney Cummings says there was audio and you could hear what he was saying inside. He said, it's the police. He was claiming to be a police officer, but he had a mask on. So the homeowner didn't believe him. Instead, the homeowner ran and retreated upstairs to a bedroom uh, and, and then shot the suspect when the suspect pursued her. She then ran to a neighbor's home. Police were called. Uh, neighbor Anthony Alfanaro, Alfarano, rather, says, uh, You know, seen it a few houses down, it's unnerving. Uh, he is a gun owner himself. He says if this case is proven to be a home invasion, the woman had a right to defend her home and her children. He says, quote, self-protection uh, is a right in your home. And again, uh, based on uh, the uh, the video evidence, sure looks like a home invasion. Uh, the Madison County coroner identified the man as a, uh, who was killed as 40-year-old Jeffrey Flowers. Uh, Anderson police say the case remains an active investigation. We'll see if we can provide you any more details, but Again, as of this point, looks like a pretty clear cut case of self defense there in uh, Anderson, Indiana, and we're glad that that uh, woman is okay. Speaking of being all right, uh, a uh, woman in North Carolina is okay today, thanks to the fact that a police officer in the right place at the right time, willing able to do the right thing to stop her from choking as she was eating at a barbecue restaurant. Yeah, Uh, Officer Buddy Porter Jr in Rowan County, North Carolina, was on his lunch break at String Beans Barbecue when he noticed a uh, fellow patron who was struggling to breathe. I have a tendency to eat my brisket a little faster, and sometimes you get uh, aspirated. But, uh, yeah, she was really suffering. So, office reporter sprang into action, performed the Heimlich Maneuver, saving her life. Uh, Dwayne Stafford, who's the owner of String Beans, says that uh, her restaurant, excuse me, Dawn Stafford, Says uh, at her restaurant, everyone is family. She says we have a lot of regular, loyal customers. We want them all to feel like family when they're there. And uh, Officer Porter, I guess, you know, he's a regular customer, knows what's going on. He said uh, he saw this woman, said she was really panicked. He said, uh, I jumped up, spun her around, wrapped my arms around her and done the high look. He said uh, she was running out of air. He said, we trained a lot. We're trained to stay calm. So when it was done. I went back and I finished my lunch. <laughs> well, good for him. I hope he got a free dessert some cobbler or something like that. He says, look, this is what we're trained to do. This is what we're paid to do. He said, I didn't do anything different than any other emergency personnel would have done. Everybody in emergency services deserves recognition. Well, that is true. That is true. It It, it is a part of his job description. But I'm glad that he did not panic. I'm glad that uh, when the opportunity presented itself, by the way, first time in 22 years as a police officer that he's actually had to perform the Honlick maneuver. So you can say it's part of his job, but it was the first time in 22 years that it's actually been a part of his job duty. And he uh, uh, performed, I would say, exceeded expectations. If I were uh, writing a job review for Officer Porter, I would say that he absolutely exceeded expectations. And again, I, I hope next time, uh, dessert. Is on the House for our reporter there at a String Beans Barbecue in Rowan County, North Carolina. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, also would encourage you to check out the website bearingarms.com. We've got the uh, news about Smith & Wesson relocating its headquarters from Massachusetts down to the uh, more Second Amendment friendly state of Tennessee. We've got uh, several uh, stories about David Chipman's first public interview since suffering his embarrassing defeat as uh, Joe Biden's nominee to become the permanent director of the ATF and uh, several other Issues that uh, I think you will be uh, quite interested in when it comes to your right to keep and bear arms. If you like what you see, of course, we always encourage you to become a VIP member of com. All you have to do is go to slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNS. You can get 25% off of your membership. Uh, we certainly do appreciate your support. It allows us to do things like bring you Bearing Arms Cam and Company, uh, but we also want to give something back. So you'll get exclusive analysis, commentary, news stories you won't find anywhere else. As part of your VIP experience, it's our way of saying thank you because your support really does make a difference. All right, I hope you have a great Friday and a wonderful weekend. We will be back on Monday with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across this great nation of ours. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.